It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Kyle Krabs here, host of Locked On NFL Scouting. Join Joe Marino and me every day as we provide position-by-position analysis of the upcoming NFL Draft. Check out the Locked On NFL Scouting podcast with the Draft Dudes on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. Locked On Dolphins, hosted by Travis Wingfield. Your daily podcast on the Miami Dolphins. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. I'm in town to play the Dolphins, you dumbass. What's up, Dolphins? Welcome into the Monday, October the 1st edition of the Locked On Dolphins podcast. I am your host, Travis Wingfield, and I am here to bring you your daily dose of Miami Dolphins football, even on the days we don't want to be Dolphins fans. And on today's show, we're hosting therapy after that beatdown at the hands of who else? The New England Patriots. Miami loses the big game 38-7. We'll raise some concerns with the coaching staff as well as the execution by the players. We'll unpack all the negatives, a couple of positives, and tell you why this isn't the end of the season by any means. But first, I kindly invite each and every one of you to please subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, wherever you get your podcasts from. Leave us that rating. Leave us that review. Give me a follow on Twitter, at WingfulNFL. Follow the show at LockedOnFins, and you can find my written work at LockedOnDolphins.com, the number one blog in the LockedOn Network, as well as some feature work at Palm Beach Post, FanRag Sports, and a group of other websites. And of course, last but not least, the other LockedOn Sports family of podcasts, like the LockedOn Heat podcast and LockedOn NFL podcast, for all the local and national coverage of your favorite teams. Unfortunately, we have a ton of injuries to talk about. Let's go ahead and do that. All right! And the list just keeps getting longer and longer. Rashad Jones and Devontae Parker do not play in this game. We're both late scratches. They were added to a list that already included A.J. Derby, Andre Branch, and Chase Allen. And that doesn't even factor in the IR players we already know about. And Josh Sitton, William Hayes, and Marquise Gray. Well, they lost even more as Bobby McCain and Dan Kilgore go out and do not return to the game. We are not sure of the severity of those injuries just yet. Just a brutal, brutal day for the Miami Dolphins, and since we have to do it anyways, let's not waste any more time and just rip that Band-Aid right off. That's another Miami Dolphins. I wanted to alter the format of this show for you guys on the Sunday Takeaway Show because I don't see the point in talking about the five important plays or the main storyline takeaways. Let's just go ahead and go over all the things that went wrong because... That's really the important thing with this game. I'm sure there isn't really five plays you can narrow it down to. And while the officiating sucked early on, it definitely put the Dolphins in a bind. Two Patriots scoring drives, the first two scoring drives, were continued by third down holding calls on the defense that seemed really questionable. But now in hindsight, it really doesn't mean a whole lot because the Dolphins just got outclassed on every level of this game. And it starts with the coaching and how this team was prepared because the moment they got off that bus, they were just not ready for this stage and for this game. And there are a million fingers you can point at a million different people in regards to who it might fall on. But you have to start at the top. And that obviously begins with Adam Gaze. And it starts with the beginning of the games as well and how this team begins games under Adam Gaze, which has now become a thing that this team can't get out of its own way to begin a football game. 15 consecutive starts now. They have not scored a touchdown on the opening drive. The 15-play script is not working. Every game they come out and have a solid very first play of the game, whether it's play action or Tannehill on a swing pass, getting the football downfield. 
And then they go into this tank of just ultra conservative nature that they can't get out of their own way. And that conservative nature permeates throughout the rest of the team and the rest of the game when the team gets behind the chains on second down or third down. And those first and second downs are so key for this team. And whenever Miami finds themselves in a situation where they're 10 yards behind the sticks because of a hold or whatever it might be, Adam Gaze goes out there and calls these second and 17 dive plays to the running back up the middle or a first and 20 screen play that gets three or four yards. I am seeing this around the league and teams consistently attack that six to seven to eight yard range getting the football into the hands of a playmaker and letting him make a decision in that range where he can possibly pick up eight, nine, or 10 yards and get you that yardage back and give you a chance to extend that drive because Miami, for whatever reason, decides just to sit on these possessions when there's a penalty that pushes them back. And you can't waste possessions in this league, especially against that team, especially in that building. Adam Gaze outclassed on every level of the game today, and it went to the defensive side of the ball as well. Matt Burke's plan, I don't know what it was. Same as the offense. What was it? Because on offense, they couldn't make an adjustment to go down the field, attack vertically, They had no idea how to construe a plan to account for the Patriots' press coverage that wanted them to go vertical, and they took those vertical shots, but there wasn't a concept in terms of taking advantage of that press cover one, cover three, whatever it was they were doing, Miami had no answer, and it was the same case on defense. The personnel groupings were always lacking. They were always getting quick snapped and beat to the punch, getting pushed off the ball in the running game. We had linebackers covering skill players down the football field. The running backs ate us up once again. There is just such a mess on this game across the entire landscape of the coaching staff that it's really hard to point the finger at any one guy. And you look at what the Patriots have had on offense with Rob Gronkowski the last few weeks. Yeah, he didn't kill the Dolphins. It was more the running game and the timely catches by the Patriot receivers like Josh Gordon, even Cordell Patterson, as well as Philip Dorsett down in the end zone. But Gronkowski got open and made an impact on third downs. He moved the chains on second and long, did some good stuff for that offense. And it's because the Dolphins didn't do any rerouting. They didn't do any stuff where they impacted him off the line of scrimmage and bracket him down the field and take him out of the game. Every other team that's played the Patriots has done a good job of doing that, but Miami didn't. Why? That's my question. Why didn't Matt Burke have that plan in place? And as far as in-game adjustments go on both sides of the ball, there was not anything done to account for the Patriots continually picking up chunks and chunks of yardage and shutting down the Miami offense to the tune of 3.8 yards per play. Just a disgraceful performance by the coaching staff. And I'm not going to be one of those guys or hosts or personalities or analysts that buries a team because of one game like this but you have to point out the bad when the bad is this bad and it's hard to get much worse than it was on Sunday against the Patriots and every facet of the game special teams offense defense coaching staff Dolphins outclassed in Foxborough once again the losing streak is now 10 up there so plenty of negative to go around and we're going to continue to harp on the ugly showing in the next segment but first I have to give out a little bit of praise because there wasn't much to go around but these three players earned some praise it starts off with Vincent Taylor the defensive tackle he is in his second year sixth round draft pick out of Oklahoma State he made a great play on a screen pass I can't remember if it was James White or Sonny Michelle where he got outflanked out there or he he outflanked the running back and got to the edge and made a stop on the perimeter of the defense he is continuing to show power Good work against the running game. He's providing a pass rush. He looks fantastic. He gets a gold star for the game today. 
Bobby McCain's interception against Tom Brady was beautiful preparation and execution of that preparation, working in a underneath type of coverage with inside leverage. He saw his route getting carried on to the help in the back end of the field, and then he peels off and robs the dig route, gets a pick, his second in as many games at Foxborough against Tom Brady. Good stuff there for Bobby. And then Jonathan Woodard, the call-up from the practice squad to replace William Hayes, he played the run about as well as he could have in his debut today. So a good game from those three guys, at least comparatively speaking. And I know, I know, shut up with the positives already. We'll get back to being miserable, and we'll do that next here after a word from my bookie. And by now, you guys know that I get asked all the time for my advice in this podcast, and it usually revolves around the Dolphins or who to bet on this week in college and the NFL. And the truth is, I don't know who's going to win the games, but if you think you know, you should check out MyBookie. They've been in business for years, have great reviews online, and their mobile site is easy to use. I would only recommend a service to my listeners that has been good to me, so that's why I'm urging you to make your way to MyBookie, where you win, they pay. They have in-game live betting, over-unders on fantasy points scored, and the most rewarding player perks in the business. And since MyBookie is slammed with new bettors right now and wants to give everyone the best possible customer service, if you're willing to deposit your money after 7 p.m., they'll give you an additional $25 free play on deposits over $100. Join now and MyBookie will match your deposit dollar for dollar when using promo code LOCKEDON, that's one word, Locked on to activate that offer. Visit MyBookie online today. That's M-Y-B-O-O-K-I-E. And don't forget to use the promo code Locked On when creating your account to claim up to $1,000 in free play. And if you're willing to hold out until after 7 p.m., you can get that extra $25 free play by using promo code Locked On 25. It's up to you, but a free $25 is waiting for you guys at MyBookie, where you play, you win, you get paid. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. We have gone on enough about the coaching staff already. It's time to talk about the players and who really was the main culprits of this game today. And there really isn't one or two or even five specific players. So that's why we're breaking this thing down into groups, into units, and into overall generalities in terms of what went wrong with this football team today. And I'm going to start up front with the offensive line because everything with this football team seems to go as that offensive line goes, whether it's the running game, the quarterback, even just the outcome of the game tends to go by way of how well the offensive line plays. And on the interior of the offensive line, we've had complaints this year about certain aspects or certain players in certain situations, and it hasn't been great, but it has had enough to where this team is good enough to get to 3-0. But in this game today, the way that offensive line played, they had no chance to make anything happen, whether it was the injuries, the running game, or the quarterback's lack of faith in them in general. And let's go ahead and start with the injuries because Daniel Kilgore, he's now out, and that puts Travis Swanson into the game, who just did not look fit to play in an NFL game. He looked absolutely terrible in this game, which unfortunately 
wasn't really any worse than what Dan Kilgore was in terms of giving up push in the running game. There is no push from this interior line right now, and that's why Kenyon Drake is struggling so, so mightily with just eight carries for six yards in the last two games. He cannot get going. He might be pressing a little bit. They tried getting him going in the passing game. He had a little double move on Stephon Gilmore where he actually had him beat, but Gilmore grabbed on and held him and got the pass interference. So they're trying to find a way to get him involved, but they had to abandon the running game early because the passing game wasn't working. They were going three and out far too often. Their third down plays on the drives where they actually had third downs that were important. I'm talking about not the end of the half or not the Brock Osweiler drive. 12 yards, 10 yards, 8 yards, 8 yards, 12 yards, and 8 yards to go on the six third down tries they had. That's way too far behind the chains. And part of that has to do with Ryan T- or Adam Gaze's lack of faith in this offense and his conservative play calling nature but also with what Ryan Tannehill was not able to do in this game in terms of being accurate, in terms of finding the right read and processing the play beforehand. And I think there's a general lack of faith in the offensive line up front for him. And when he has that lack of faith, his play really, really struggles. And that was the case today. He didn't feel comfortable having that pocket to step up into and it just rattled him. He was never ready. He had that weird fumble slash snap over his head where the ball kind of grazed off his fingertips. I don't know who's to blame there, but this offense, that play just kind kind of signified the entire day and now you exit this game with a question mark in regards to what to do at the interior spots at center and left guard if Dan Kilgore is to miss extended time I think you go with Ted Larson at center and then figure out a plan at left guard I'm not sure who it's going to be but it's got to be somebody because they went with a heavy line today unbalanced lines to try to mitigate the loss of AJ Derby and not having very much depth at tight end and that didn't work out Nothing worked out, whether it was inside, outside, passing game, nothing worked out. Not even benching your star right tackle, Jawan James, who it sounds like was pulled for performance reasons. That rumor has not been substantiated yet, but that was the original report out of Foxborough. The offensive line down 60% of the original opening day starters at one point in this game. Going to be tough to win football games. And the reason we don't have clarification on why James was taken out was because the Dolphins players left the game and left the stadium without talking to the media. And I really don't have much for you guys on that. Probably going to have to get more for you on that later in the week as I have no idea why that was the case. And no one else does either because, well, duh, they didn't talk to the media. So we don't have an answer for why they bailed. I'm sure it was a very frustrating day for them as it was for all the fans as well. It really just is not any fun to get your ass beat in every aspect of the game like that. It took me a few hours to kind of push this game aside and get over it. I had to get off Twitter for a little bit, and we'll talk about why here in a minute. But just kind of getting away from that game for a second and letting everything kind of sink in and let perspective sink in and really realize what this game in the grand scheme of things means. And we'll talk more about that in the next segment. But we have one last bullet point here. Outside of the fact that Matt Hawk, I don't know what his deal was in this game, punting the football short every time, high and short, just not getting the job done. He was just one of many, many guys that couldn't get it done. And the last bullet point here is talking about the secondary running very thin on depth. We talked about losing Rashad Jones for this game or not having him in the game to begin with and losing Bobby McCain and the shuffle that then ensued in the secondary. We already know that without Jones, that makes this team very thin because you have to go with either Torrey McTire or Maurice Smith. And I thought Maurice Smith had some moments and played pretty well, but Torrey McTire, he, he's not ready for this moment right now. He needs another year, I think, to kind of get his feet wet because he just gets attacked and attacked and attacked on that defense. This defense really, really needs Rashad Jones back. This defense really, really needs 
Bobby McCain to be okay because they cannot withstand those injuries as Cordray Tankersley continues to sit in the abyss and Tory McTire not ready for prime time. And then real quick before I change gears, I have one more note that I didn't get to. The receivers on the offensive side of the football and their lack of separation was pretty noticeable in this game. They could just not uncover. And that might be an issue going forward. The Dolphins are going to have to find a way to mitigate because these undersized guys can be disrupted. They're going to have to do some pre-snap shifting and motion, maybe some bunching and stacking to get things going. Because if other teams want to do that, you're going to have to have an answer, which the Dolphins did not today, which goes back to coaching. So coaching and the entire roster did not get it done but I'm glad that we got that out of the way 38 to 7 Dolphins didn't play well obviously but I'll tell you why it's not really the end of the world or the end of the season and I'll do that next after a word from our friends at Vivid Seats and whether you're going to a ball game or a sporting event or maybe you're trying to forget the sporting event you just watched like our Miami Dolphins on Sunday We all love a night out to go watch our favorite band or cheer on our favorite team, the Miami Dolphins. And with Vivid Seats, you can attend the concert, show, or sporting event of your choice at a great price. Vivid Seats is the top source for tickets for all the live events you want to go to. And you can sort them by price or look for seats in the section or row of your choice. And to make things even better... Vivid Seats is giving listeners an exclusive promo code for new customers to receive $20 off orders of $200 or more to save even more money. Go to the App Store or Google Play and download the Vivid Seats app. Use promo code LOCKEDON for that offer, $20 off an order of $200 or more for new customers of Vivid Seats. Every purchase is backed by a 100% buyer guarantee from the biggest concerts and games to the hottest theater and more. Vivid Seats has it all. Download the app and enter promo code Locked On for $20 off orders of $200 or more for new Vivid Seats customers. Make a memory that lasts a lifetime and let Vivid Seats help you get to your favorite live event. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Segment number three of the podcast, this blowout podcast at the hands of the New England Patriots. We're talking about the 38-7 to loss, and we'll have more individual evaluations for you guys. Don't worry, I'm not going to let Charles Harris off the hook or any of the other players we missed on the podcast today. I just wanted to get more of a chance to check out the All-22. Wasn't that interested in going back over the broadcast version and reliving that experience again. So I'll have the film review for you guys up later in the week, and we'll talk more about individual evaluations. But first, I want to go ahead and spin things forward and talk about where this team is now at the quarter pull of the season. And I just find it so fitting or funny. I'm not sure the wording there. Of all the arguments I'm seeing about why this game meant so much or why this game was the worst game in the Dolphins era under Adam Gaze or whatever it might have been, just a lot of hot takes out there. And the Dolphins are going to get buried all week on national media. Just be prepared for it, but I'll tell you why you shouldn't worry about it. Just turn the TV off and move on to the next thing because we have another game to get to on Sunday, and this is just one of 16. And the first one I see that really gets my, (laughs) really grinds my gears, I guess, is the poor schedule argument. I've heard that the Dolphins have only played three bad teams and they got exposed by the one good team they played today, 
Well, the Tennessee Titans, since the Dolphins beat them on opening day, have won three games in a row. They beat the defending champion Philadelphia Eagles in their game on Sunday, and now they are 3-1 and one atop the AFC South with wins over the Eagles and Jaguars. So that argument is completely invalid. The Dolphins beat a good Titans team at home in Week 1. Next, I saw someone suggest that these are the type of losses that ruin seasons as if one game can ruin a season. And while they can, if you get your quarterback hurt, it's never going to ruin a season to get beaten this bad because blowouts happen in the NFL. Hell, the Patriots were getting blown out by the Jaguars and they scored late to make the score look good, but they got their butts kicked earlier in the season. The Steelers can't stop a nosebleed on defense. They've gotten run up the score on a couple times. The defending champs are 2-2. Two and two. The Minnesota Vikings, a very popular Super Bowl pick by many, are 1-2-1. and one. The Atlanta Falcons, my Super Bowl pick, are 1-3. and three. It's September, guys. I've said all along the style points really don't mean much in the entire season to begin with, but definitely this time of year. Stacking wins right now is all that matters as you try to figure out your identity going into the stretch run of the season. And don't take that as some sort of raw, raw, everything is pie in the sky speech because it's not. That was a terrific opportunity for the Dolphins to bury the Patriots and seize a firm hold on the AFC East. But instead, injuries are piling up. The plan on both sides of the football was exposed to the extreme and there is plenty to clean up ahead of next week at Cincinnati. But the main point is they get a chance to do that. This was not a playoff loss. This is not a week 17 loss. This is a week four loss to fall to three and one. Blowouts happen in the league. It's not just exclusive to Miami. I would be absolutely stunned if the Dolphins didn't show up next week and the same thing happened again. They'll be ready to play. This won't happen back-to-back weeks. Everything is still right in front of this team, and it's absolutely laughable how much finality has been assigned to this team after just one game. I saw a tweet saying this proves Ryan Tannehill isn't the answer at quarterback. Saw another one that said maybe Adam Gaze should go back to the hot seat. And to all the guys that have been pleasant on interactions with me on Twitter, the loyal listeners, the guys that read the site, I sincerely apologize if I've glossed over something you've asked me on Twitter recently. The downside of growing a decent following is that it's much, much more difficult to keep up with all the mentions, especially when I get as many utterly dense responses as I got today. The mute hammer was active and ready to roll. I just can't do it with some of the doom and gloom stuff that I get on there and some of the just outlandish things I read on Twitter. So the ban hammer, the the mute hammer was going very strong today. If I skipped over something you said, I apologize. Just continue to bug me. I'll try to get to it when I can. Like I said, this loss sucks. It was a blown opportunity, but Miami are three and one. They're atop the AFC East still, a game ahead of the New England Patriots. And if they can find a way to still one in Cincinnati, they're suddenly right back in the driver's seat for a really, really fantastic first half of the season with two home games on deck after that, as well as the game at the Texans, who are now 1-3, and three, and a game at home for the Jets. So the schedule stacks up well. Even if they can't get this Bengals game, there are still plenty of wins ahead for this team. I promise you guys that. We'll get you more in-depth on the All-22 later on this week. We'll have the Aftermath podcast for you guys out tomorrow. And then Wednesday, we bury this. We don't ever go back to it. We turn the page and we're on to Cincinnati. But as for this podcast, that is my time, guys. You please be sure to subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts. Leave us a rating. Leave us a review. Check out the other Locked On Sports family of podcasts for all your local and national coverage of your favorite teams. Give me a follow on Twitter at NFL. Follow the show at Locked On Fins. Keep up to date on our Daily Dolphins blog at LockedOnDolphins.com. You guys have a great rest of your Monday. We'll talk to you again tomorrow for another edition of the Locked On Dolphins podcast. Your daily dose for Miami Dolphins football still thins up.
Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On Podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.